I sparred David Hay three times. The first time I sparred him was a funny story. Like we were putting some Vaseline in, on my face before the spar. David was sparring a lad. They nicknamed him Biggie. He was he was about six foot seven, six foot eight, 19 stone or something. And then um, I just heard this crash. I looked around and this lad's just on the floor. And David just dropped him basically. And on the way down, he snapped both his tibia oh, and no. his fibula. So oh, he snapped no. his ankle on the way down. And I just looked at my amateur coach at the time. I was going, guess I'm in then. <laughs> <laughs> Not ideal when the first time you're going to spar yeah. former cruiserweight and heavyweight champion yeah. of the world. Yeah, he definitely punches, mm. punches hard, David. Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the CEO and founder of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival and the revolutionary Event Crowd, our new online events course. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. So if you want to hear more like this, make sure you subscribe, leave us a glowing review, and you can follow me on Instagram at Dodge Woodall. I reply to every single message. Bournemouth's own Chris Billum-Smith is a boxer the whole country should definitely get behind. He's the Commonwealth British and European Cruiserweight Champion and has been under the guidance of Shane and Barry McGuigan since he turned pro. He sparred with the likes of David Hay and George Groves and during the pandemic he even fought at Matchroom's fight camp in my old mate Barry Hearn's back garden. In a sport full of in-your-face trash talkers, Chris remains a very calm, thoughtful and articulate athlete who lets his performances do the talking. This is the eventful life of the gentleman, Mr Chris Billum-Smith. Chris, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. It's, a, it's an honour to be on. It's nice you're a local lad as well from Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is uh, definitely home for me. I love yeah. it down here. So uh, it's nice to have a bit of a break. I've been up in London for a bit of training and stuff. Yeah. and got a place that I'm renting up there for, for work. Lovely. So yeah, now it's uh, nice to have a bit of a break, being back home and enjoying the, the weather. Now it's yeah, nice. Yeah, mate, summertime Bournemouth. Let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and how did you first get into boxing? Uh, I mean, I grew up, uh, we moved down to Bournemouth when I was three years old. I was from, we used to live in... Uh, place called Tabworth in South London so not far from like Streatham and, yeah. uh, and I was born in Epsom so uh, but moved down here when I was three um, I didn't actually I mean I dabbled in in boxing a little bit in my teenage years because my brother did it um, and I went went to first time I ever went was uh, behind Iceland in Boscombe so mm. it was like a little place called Majestic which oh, is yeah, a gym Majestic there but gym, they used yeah. to have underneath in the garage they used to have a uh, boxing club and uh, my brother used to go so I went in there and then uh, the guy Huey Delaney who was taking it he used to train uh, a girl and uh, she sort of took the beginner she was my age at yeah. the time I think I was about 12 or 13 okay. uh, yeah I would have been about 12 at the time but because there was like two or three complete beginners uh, and young we she just took off and uh, that girl was Molly McCann who's obviously oh, now really? now in the UFC Meatball Molly so, yeah so a uh, bit of a mad story and it yeah. was, I went to the UFC and watched her recently which is just mad where where we are now so it's uh, where we both started like my first ever session was there but then I sort of just only went a handful of times yeah um, and then I started went to college and um, met my mate called Dean Perkins who used to box for Paul Amateur Boxing Club um, and I was just start training with him then went and watched him fight. And everyone was there chanting his name. Yeah. And I just remember stopping the chant and just thinking, that atmosphere is electric. Oh, like wow. That must be such a good feeling, having all your mates there yeah, yeah, yeah. To, uh, to watch you. So, 
yeah, and then I just thought, oh, I'll, I'll give that a go. And then ten months later, I was in the ring having my having my first fight. So, really? Yeah. Were you were you a fighter, a street fighter, or could you handle yourself at school, or you wanted, or did you you were a bigger lad than normal, or you were good with your hands? Or when you got in the boxing ring, you thought, you know what, I'm actually quite good at this. No, it was. Uh, I mean, I had a few scraps at school yeah. as a kid. I was probably quite mouthy, being the youngest <laughs> of three brothers. So, um, but I'd say I was more more you know, uh, all talk, no action yeah. sort of person, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, you end up having a couple of scraps here and there, but it wasn't until I left school and, and started started actually boxing, just applied myself. And I mean, I was terrible at first. I yeah. can remember like there was a group of group of us all all shadow boxing basically at the club. Um, what club? Uh, that was at Paul Amateur Boxing oh, Club. Okay. And um, there was two, basically two people at the shadow box in the middle. And then everyone else was stood around watching, and I remember the coach stopping it and like picking me out, saying, "What? What are you doing?" Like I was all hunched <laughs> over. He's like, "You're tall," because I, I, by yeah. then, I, by the time I left school, I'd grown a bit, and yeah. obviously now I'm a bit taller. But he's like, "You're tall, and you're hunched over. Yeah. You're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong." And it's like so embarrassing. <laughs> like I'll never forget it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he ended up being like the second. That coach has ended up being like the second. Uh, coach to me throughout my amateur oh, really? career so uh but yeah it's uh fun funny oh amazing funny how it just like completely like just shot me down and i was just like do you remember scared. your first amateur fight yeah yeah i mean my first that was at weymouth pavilion um that was i can remember the date and everything i'm weird with dates so that's november the 10th 2007 yeah and um how old were you i was 17 okay so, um so i didn't actually start like i said till i boxed until i left school and then uh that's quite late isn't it yeah I th like i think because i've done so many sports as yeah. a as a kid i've done from hockey football karate everything. fencing yeah, yeah, yeah. trampolining yeah, everything yeah. so i think because i had those motor skills i was able to adapt to another sport yeah for fairly easily but um yeah then that first fight yeah at weymouth pavilion i remember weighing in going to uh going to Subway and, and getting a load of cookies and just refueling after the way in. Um, yeah, and I just remember basically just for three two-minute rounds is what it was then. I was just move around to my left, jabbing the whole fight pretty much yeah. and didn't throw anything else. Yeah. Won the fight and <laughs> thought I'd felt like Muhammad Ali in yeah, there. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a great, great feeling. And what was that journey like then after getting that? Was it obviously you got the buzz from, from that first fight? What was the journey from there? Uh, I mean, I just, yeah, I just loved it so much. And I just thought, yeah, I'll keep going. I think I went, uh, my first five amateur fights I won. Then I lost my sixth. Um, you lo what was that feeling like to lose? Yeah. That Did you was, learn a load? Yeah, it was devastating. I mean, I boxed earlier that day. So you, it was in the championships, like the novice championships. Yeah. Um, I boxed that day and won. And then I was warming up for my second fight. Well, I went to warm up, but... There was meant to be two fights in between the fight before mine. So there's meant to be my mate was boxing, then two other fights, then me. Yeah. So I watched my mate's fight, not knowing that the two fights in between us have been cancelled. Um, no, so, so I was in the changing rooms, put my first hammer yeah. up on, and some some lad walked runs and goes, "Are you uh, are you are you Chris?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah, you're on now." And I was like, "What?" And my coach didn't realise either. <laughs> so I'm literally walking to the ring. Like I quickly did my hammer ups, walked to the ring, and. Uh, and sort of warmed up on the way to the ring and I did a right first round then but I was I was 18 at that point yeah uh I was in there with a 32 year old bloke who was built like yeah. he was huge and uh he just was way too strong for me and he stopped me in the third round in the end so 
Um, yeah, it's uh, and that I just remember crying, leaving the ring. I yeah, was right. absolutely because I'd, I'd have all this success, mm. um, and I'd never really been hurt in a in a boxing ring. And he, you know, he pummeled me. And the next day, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus. My yeah. neck was so stiff yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't move. I had no appetite or anything. Um, so yeah, that was a a big learning curve in terms of just dealing with that that sort of uh, that feeling. And how many how many amateur fights have, did you have before you turned professional? I had forty three in the end. So um, yeah, the from the I won the novice championship. So then went into like the open class championships. Yeah. Um, went in them about six times I think and got to two finals had a few GB assessments and stuff and then uh yeah and then went uh turned professional and and uh 2017 and what age were you then 27 uh 26 my first fight I would have been 27 yeah and how does it work then obviously up until 26 27 you got the job what were you doing for a job at the time uh just working part-time in a gym uh, yeah. and part-time at Steve Bendel's gym okay. local boxing gym teaching boxing there um, and then at a normal commercial gym over in Christchurch just um, getting by really yeah. like was not earning any sort yeah. of money I mean thankfully I was living with my mum up to up to that yeah. point um, yeah and then uh, we just basically just got by to be honest and yeah, just yeah, yeah. sort of, I thought <clears throat> originally that I was going to um my hope was to get on the Great Britain squad and you get funded on there and pushed okay. to the Olympics. But um, yeah, the uh, wasn't to be um, after the assessments. There was three of us going for them and we had three assessments. And then after the last one, uh, I didn't get on. And then just decided to turn professional. So how do, how do you, who decides whether you turn professional? Is it you who decides or does someone go, you know what, I think you're good enough to turn pro here? No, it's down, uh, it's down, down to me essentially. But I mean, my amateur coach... I don't think they really had anyone from that club turn professional. And that's Paul. Paul. Yeah, a Paul Amateur Boxing yeah. Club. So my coach was Neil Partridge up there, um, and he was great for me. And he was very much an amateur coach and amateur style. And but he was like, "Look, you've given it everything. Mm. You've just missed out on GB by sort of skin of your teeth." And how did you miss out on the GB? Uh, there was three of us going for it, um, and the as an English lad, a Scottish lad. Uh, who had both beat each other, yeah. and then the English had a beat Amir, but I'd never boxed a Scottish lad. Right. Um, even though in sparring up there and stuff, I felt comfortable yeah. with him. But I think you know they just went on the results, whatever. But um, yeah. it was it was it was fairly close. You gutted. Yeah, devastated. Yeah. Um, and and that was to go to what Olympics? Well, that was to get on the squad on to the then squad. push okay. what would have been Tokyo. So wow. in a way, it's a blessing because by the time Tokyo actually came round, yeah, I was. British and European champion yeah. and Commonwealth champion. So I think, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I was very lucky to, uh, in a way, to, to have that sort of, just, you know, get get rejected. It's probably the best thing that's ever yeah. happened. Yeah, it all happens for a reason, doesn't it? Mm. So what was the, what's the step then when you go, right, I'm going to turn pro. How do you start earning proper money? Um, well, I turned pro with the McGriggans, with Shane McGriggans, my coach, Barry McGriggans, my manager. Brilliant. Um, and where, how did they spot you then? How did Barry and Shane spot you? So I got a, randomly, I got a Facebook message off a um, guy who was Shane's right-hand man at the time saying, can you come up to London and spar tomorrow? Um, and I said, yeah, no worries. Um, he'd obviously, like, I didn't even know we were friends on Facebook yeah. and then I figured it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he, I was like, yeah, no worries. I was like, what, uh, what address, what time? 
sent me just like 12, 12 p.m. this address and you'll be sparring six rounds with George Groves. Is that right? George Gro Groves? Yeah. So, so George... What weight were you then? <laughs> I was boxing at 91 kilos. Yeah. George walks around about 84, 85 yeah. anyway. Yeah. But I didn't know George was training with Shane at the time. No one knew. It okay. was his first spar under Shane. Um, so I went and did six rounds with George. What was that, Fulham? No, that was no, that was at Shane's gym in Battersea oh, at the Battersea, time. Okay. He had a gym there at the time. Yeah. Um where he trained Frampton and, and those lads. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, did six rounds of Shane was like, Yeah, good, uh, good work. Like we'll get you back in and we'll also get you back in and do some rounds with David Hay because you've got quick hands and stuff. And Quality. I was like So yeah, and then for about sixteen months I was in and out of the gym sparring George. Um, so then when I went to turn pro because I had Shane's number, I thought I'd start at the top because obviously he's yeah. one of the best coaches in the world at the time. Um, and I asked him if, it, if he'd train me and uh, thankfully, you know, the, the team took me on. So I was, I think in a way I was just, it was sort of a bit of making your own luck and, yeah. and quite lucky to get that opportunity to begin with. But every time they asked me, they I, I always said yes to, to sparring. So, I mean, I got a text one New Year's Eve, half six in the evening, we're around... My my now wife's friend's house having they're all having pre drinks. I don't drink, but yeah. um, we were going out for the night, and then they text me at half six. Uh, Can you spar tomorrow midday right, on New Year's Day? <laughs> so I was like, just, I'm in. Uh, said, yeah, I said yeah. to me, I said uh, we're gonna have to have a slightly earlier night. Yeah. Um, we've got to go up to London in the morning. She was like, cool, no worries. And then they went up there. So I was always reliable, like never said no. So I think that that helped me uh, and helped my uh, my case for turning pro yeah. with them. So you turn pro of them, you sign contracts with them. Do they yeah. give you any money to sign contracts with them? How does it work? How does the business deal work? Uh, well, that one was, uh, yeah, they, they had a, they sort of me out of a retainer because I'd be training up there full time in London. Yeah. They did help me out with a, a small retainer to begin with, which sort of got me by. And Were you traveling back and forth or did they put you in, up in digs yeah, up they, there? They, put, they had a, Barry had a house in Chelsea, which the boxers were staying in at the time. Yeah. And then we moved to a different place. So then... We got moves around all over the place, to be honest. So we end up, at, I ended up staying at Shane's house because the other lads sort of were making money by then yeah. enough to rent a place and yeah. stuff. So um, I ended up living at Shane's. And then, um, yeah, then the gyms moved as well. It moved to Kent. So then we had three digs in Kent because we were at the university oh, and okay. we had to deal with them. Um, and now we're up in London where, and now it's sort of, I've got to get my own rent a place up there so okay. um so yeah but yeah early on they, they 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 funded me for the first two years so uh which do you is, remember how much they gave you they gave me i was on a grand a month basically which isn't a huge amount yeah, um, but going from nothing to but a grand yeah, every going, days. yeah so that was a uh, bit was enough to get by and obviously free accommodation and stuff so yeah it was great and then i'd get my fight purses on on top of that which weren't weren't a lot of money yeah but um they they were it was enough to to get by and yeah. and uh you know, sort of push the push my pro mm. career. And what what a uh, amazing dad lad and dad combination. It's in Barry and Shane. Yeah, I mean some of the best boxing talent has ever lived, right? Yeah, I mean Barry's obviously he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's a a legend when yeah. it comes to boxing. Um, if you talk to anyone, sort of over the age of forty five or yeah. even even over forty, so like they like some people that see him like they just. Legends. besotted with yeah. him like it's crazy i've been in everywhere in london belfast uh i've been all up around down the country with yeah. him and everyone stops him because yeah. i think his fight is world title fight um at loftus road yeah i think 20 million people viewed that yeah. on, on itv or whatever 1985 it was or something yeah 1985 yeah. yeah so um yeah crazy to 
it's just crazy that Barry's, you know, a manager and a, a, a great, great man and a friend and the whole family, to be honest. That's uh, amazing. And now really close, you know, really, I'm really close with the family. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a absolutely amazing family. And what year did you meet? What year did you meet Shane and Barry? Uh, so I would have started, I think it was the end of 2015, 15, I first okay. met them. So, yeah. Okay. And with, with Shane, what's Shane like? Because was he a boxer himself or was he just, he said, well, I'm going to home in. I just want to be a coach. I want to be coaching people, training no, people. No, Shane boxed as an amateur. Yeah. I think he had about 36 fights, won about 34. But he, like the pressure, of, like he just fought Pressure of the dad. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. And that's so much pressure because yeah. he's in, because of the his age, you're never going to be seen as as good yeah. as your dad. It doesn't matter what you yeah. do. Even Conor Ben and Nigel Ben. Exactly. Pressure and, yeah. like, that's it. And yeah. I, you know, I've got a lot of, a lot of respect for you know Conor Ben and Chris Eubank for doing that because yes they can use their name and it gives them a platform yeah. but it also just brings in all the critics because yeah. that, that's all you're ever going to be compared to is, is, yeah. is your dad so I think for Shane you know he he started PT and I then started doing some pads with uh mm. with Frampton um and then Frampton asked him to train him and then obviously blown up from there yeah just went went crazy and and just such a good coach he's just obviously always always been in boxing mm. always seen boxing and been around it um and just got that eye for it and just that feel for it so mm. um he's i mean not many coaches at his age you've got yeah. how old is he 33 is he so, only 33 yeah so wow. be, i think he'll be 34 in november so what did what did shane see in you do you reckon you've obviously become really good friends with him and lots of doors have opened what did he see in you um i think there was a there was a, a bit of sort of untapped potential there, but also I think it was more like I was like I think for him he said to me in the past like it was just nice to have someone different around because like I've we got on really well yeah. and it was just like a, a nice personality for him and yeah. uh, he's dealt with a lot of sort of high yeah. mm, prima donna yeah. prima donnas in a way so I think for him it's just sort of the energy in a way um and then obviously saw a bit of potential probably didn't think I'd do as well as I have if if I'm being honest but that's nice um, to hear yeah but um but yeah so I just I I knew that I I could get there because yeah. I just I never had that level of coaching yeah. and that intense coaching so um can you can you feel yourself growing every time you're doing a training session with them learning and learning yeah absolutely I mean the the mindset now it's like we now we really click because I've been with him it'll be five years in June yeah. so I I know I've always been coachable and I, I understand boxing and some people don't understand it even if they box from a really young age they just don't click with certain yeah. styles and, and they're not that coachable so for me it was um, I've always been coachable I've always studied boxing and I understand Shane and what he wants to do yeah. so like I mean I can go back to the corner now and I know what he's going to say to yeah, me okay. about the Lovely. next round. Do you know what I mean? So we click really well. We've got a really good relationship. And I think the friendship helps with that as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's um, always learning off him. Always yeah. learning. And uh, him and Josh Pritchard, who's his right-hand man now, uh, he's one of my best mates as well. So great team in the gym. And then you've got just the, the stable of fighters as yeah, well. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And tell me the journey when you said, right, you're on a grand a month, free accommodation, looking after you. You're going through this whole... Uh, process what's the bit where you go you know what now I'm getting paid the next step in my earnings what what did that look like do you mm. get paid per fight yeah, how I mean, did it work do you get paid, paid for 10 per... fights or how does it work <laughs> no basically you always get paid your purse per fight yeah 
at first I was on a ticket deal in, in for the Bournemouth show, so I boxed in Bournemouth four times. Whereabouts? Uh, at the O2 Academy in Boscombe. Okay. So I had my debut there, which was an amazing experience. What year? That was 2017, September yeah. 2017. So that, that was, was my... nice to fight in your hometown, right? Yeah, and at that venue, because yeah. I mean, I was Iconic. under 18s up the house <laughs> there, and uh, <laughs> and then all the gigs there, and, yeah. and concerts there, yeah. and nights out there, and yeah. stuff like that. So for me, it was uh, a bit bit different, you yeah. know, going coming into the ring from the stage rather than looking the at the stage <laughs> and, you know, uh, appreciating someone else. So yeah, it was, and it's just such a, amazing arena yeah. like it's built for noise and yeah. it's, it's just like a cylinder it's iconic um so yeah it was, mm. it's uh that was that was a special moment for mm. me and then i boxed sort of after that i had like uh dotted around the country on cyclone shows that barry and his family were running yeah um then i came back to boscombe a couple of times and do they make you an offer or do they say right we're going to pay you this amount do you want to accept how does it work how does it work so they'll have a set fee for the away fights because you if when you're on a ticket deal, you have to sell enough tickets to cover your opponent at that stage. You have okay. like the journeyman, you have to cover their their purse, and then you have to have put a grand to the house. So it's about a grand, grand one hundred to the opponent, grand to the house. The house is in uh, as in the promoter. The promoter, okay. And then a, you keep the first grand after that. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you go 50-50 with the promoter on, on tickets. Okay. So the more so, tickets you're selling, the more... Okay. Absolutely. So you'd need to sell at least probably 80 tickets to, to get a grand. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I think because I Simon the McGuigans, I had quite a lot of hype around it. Yeah. Um, so I'd do okay, probably sell 100 to 130 tickets for my first yeah. few fights um, for the ones down here. Good for you. Um, and then, yeah, and then the, when you're away, fight, you just have a set purse of yeah. whatever it may be, maybe 500 pound a round yeah. uh, based on what how long your fight is. So if you're scheduled for a four rounder, you get two grand yeah. and stuff like that. But I was fortunate to footbox four times in my first 11 weeks as a yeah. professional. So um, cram the dough in yeah so yeah that was handy going back Christmas I yeah. think that was the Christmas we, we went away actually um, for, for New Year so yeah. Uh, yeah so that was that was handy yeah um, but then yeah then obviously the fights sort of get yeah longer and then further apart as well yeah. so uh, but my first big big payday bigger payday was probably the Richard Reactor fight which was on Dillian White's undercard, undercard yeah at the O2 Arena so um what a feeling that must be. Yeah, that was crazy. We What's sold, that, 16,000, is it? Yeah, it wasn't that many there when we were in there because I think we boxed about half seven. So there's okay. probably, I don't know, maybe 4,000 in yeah. there. But and still, being I, in that I'd, arena. I'd sold more tickets for that than any of my other fights. It being a Dillian White show, obviously yeah. people want to come up. And, yeah. Uh, it was the first sort of big 50-50 fight. It was at the O2. Uh, but yeah, I think I sold 230 tickets for that. But what I was saying earlier about when I was chanting my mate's name, yeah. Dino, and like I had that moment on my ring walk. So I just about to start my ring walk and I could just hear everyone going, Billum, and just oh, screaming it. And it was just, <laughs> I remember f like stopping and really appreciating that moment. I was still very focused on the fight, yeah. but just feeling like, like this is, this yeah. is why you started the sport, yeah. like for, for yeah, this yeah, moment. Yeah. So, um, did you feel like you'd made it? In a way, like in terms of, the boy back then that, yeah. that you know i was like well that's a that's a you know a massive tick but obviously you grow as a human your goals become a lot yeah. bigger so yeah for me it was uh it was definitely like a amazing moment and one i'll, I'll never forget yeah. definitely but um 
yeah, that was just such a, and that was sort of my biggest, bigger payday uh, up to that point. Do you remember how much that was, roughly? I think God, I, I would have taken home about 10 grand from that fight, which is okay, you know, but... Yeah. You're on a journey. Yeah, it's part part of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that one was, was, yeah, and then sort of stayed around that money for a few fights because the pandemic hit and... Yeah. So well, we're I talking about 2019, 2020 here, are we? That was 2019, yeah. July 2019. Yeah. And then I boxed in November. But that I lost that fight and on a split decision. But I got an opportunity off the back of it to fight for the Commonwealth title against someone else, um, a Scouts lad in, in Liverpool, yeah. who, uh, who I beat, Craig Glover, who's a good lad. Um, and, I, and I beat him. So that was sort of the journey really started. Started in, in the split decision loss, but... If I'd lost that second fight, it would have yeah, that would have been it. That's the thing, isn't it? You look at this and you go, right, if you did lose, okay, someone can take that on the chin. You lose on points. You know, you could complain that there the, the wasn't the right decision, etc. But if you go back and have a, a second loss, does that mean everything's over pretty much? It would have been a long way back from there. I would have had to either rebuild a couple of fights in the lower six-round fights yeah. or take another risk and hopefully win that. Yeah. But then, if you'd lost the third fight, then you you like yeah you're gone you, you yeah, yeah. you just you just and then the, obviously the money goes down. For, how many how many fights have you had in your professional career? Sixteen now. Sixteen. 16, fifteen yeah. wins, one loss. Yeah, yeah. Fifteen wins, one loss. So. And that one loss was that the same feeling when you lost in your amateur your first fight? That feeling you had after? Did you feel that you'd lost that fight on points? No, I thought I'd won it. So yeah, same. Um, it was sort same. of a, it's a weird feeling because like I sort of base, my feelings always based on performance. Yeah. So I, although I didn't perform as well as I could have, um, I felt I'd done enough to yeah. win the fight. So therefore I was, and my corner did as well. And it was a split decision. So, and it was my first big occasion. It was the first 50-50 against, he was technically the home fighter because he was managed by Dillian White. Yeah. Um, And I literally lost out on a point, which was, because of a knockdown, which I don't think should have been a knockdown. Yeah. So it's like one of those. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I always base it on the performance and, and look at it for, for what it is rather mm. than the actual result. And I did that all through my amateurs. Mm. Like if I lost a fight in like that one I lost in the amateurs I was talking about earlier, that I got beat beat up and I lost yeah. fair and square. But then other fights, I might have thought I'd won them on points and yeah. didn't get a decision. So I wasn't that annoyed with those ones because I knew it's about the performance and yeah. long term. That's that's all that matters. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was I wasn't as, as devastated. Yeah. And tell me about tell me about relationship with Eddie Hearn, Barry Hearn. You got a good relationship with those guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't deal with them too much myself. Obviously, yeah. my team do that. Um, but every time I speak to them, you know, get get on well with them. Um, you know, Barry's Barry's such a character. Mate, always has been. Um, good so, mate of mine, Barry. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, boxed in in his back garden yeah. in, in a couple of times, so that was. Uh, a Tell me about there. that because that's unbelievable. Because that that used to be their house, you know that. Yeah, yeah. Used to be the house, and obviously he'd earned a fortune, and then he converted. Been there for twenty odd years, then converted it into all the offices, mm. and then to put fight camp in the garden, spend a million quid on an event in his own garden must have been amazing for him. But what was the experience like for you? Yeah, it was. Uh, so the first year we came out and we walked down the steps to do our ring walk. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. There was no fans there then. Um, so we're in the middle of, middle of the pandemic. Yeah, then. this yeah. is August 2020. Yeah. So um, 
I was on the undercard of Harper versus Jonas then yeah. Terry Harper versus Natasha Jonas which was I think it I don't know if it got voted fight of the year it was definitely up as a yeah. nominee which um, was was great um, and a world title fight yeah that was that was the first year but no fans um, fight was over in the second round I won that one so it was quite a, a strange experience mm. in a way but it was cool it's obviously something it's completely different, new yeah um, second time round, there was a lot more on the line. There was uh, my Commonwealth, uh, Tommy McCarthy's European and the British. So this was our first fight. Um, and the, and obviously the British title, the Europeans are very prestigious titles, which I didn't have at that point. Um, he was a champions you know, as European champion. He's the, the number sort of the, the home yeah. fighter as such on the A side. Um, they had like a ramp coming down that time and it was a bit more, there was about 300 fans there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really, really good experience both times and just, uh, yeah, I loved them, loved them yeah. both times. And what belts did you get that evening? So yeah, I had the Commonwealth and I won, and then I won the British and the European as well. So wow. um, with sort of all the domestic belts as, as such. So yeah, it's a... Uh, that must so, be a nice feeling. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, after, on the night you have to give your, like you sort of, rule of thumb you give you your the, it's his european yeah go and get back to him on the night and then you get sent one so couldn't didn't have many pictures with that oh, belt really? on the <laughs> night um then the european ebu sent me my yeah. one but um yeah it was crazy i mean the british is such a prestigious belt yeah. and i was honored to to be british yeah. champion so tell me some faces who you've sparred with yeah i sparred david hay three times um obviously like i said i sparred george Groves a lot and george become a friend of mine now yeah. um but David, uh, the last time I sparred it, the first time I sparred him was a funny story. So we're in the gym, we go into his gym in Vauxhall. Barry came in the gym, Barry McGregor came in the gym. Yeah. In his jeans, smart, like sort of shirt and a, and a knitted jumper, shoes on, just walks over to the, the dip machine. He starts doing dips and <laughs> I was like, oh, fair play. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. I'm chatting with my coach and then turn around again he's still going <laughs> and then he jumps off and i was like how many dips you done there baz and he's like oh just 50 and i just whacked out 50 yeah, yeah, dips yeah, yeah. like in his jeans and his, <laughs> and his shirt um and then like we were putting some vaseline and on my face before the spa david was sparring a lad i nicknamed him biggie he was it was about six foot seven six foot eight 19 stone yeah. or something and then um you sort of just like I was look, like putting the vas on, and I just heard this crash. I looked round, and this lad's just on the floor, and David just dropped him basically. And on the way down, he snapped both his tibia oh, and no. his fibula, so oh, he snapped no. his ankle on the way down. And I just looked at my amateur coach at the time. I was going, "Guess I'm in then," <laughs> <laughs> and that was because they were meant to do four rounds, and yeah. I was going to do like three or four. Yeah, um, that was the second round, and I just said, "Right, I guess I'm in then." <laughs> so. Um, not ideal when the first time you get a spa yeah. former cruiserweight and heavyweight champion yeah. of the world um, as if I wasn't bricking it enough <laughs> but uh, now I got in there and did, did alright and um, you know David very much used me for his sort of reactions and stuff yeah. like that at that point because I was a bit lighter and just yeah. fast hands so um, yeah and then the, the last time I sparred him we, we were sparring and um, off, like he hit me with these three shots and then my head got come undone so I went back to the corner and went to my coach I was like okay just my head guard's come undone. Um, can you do it up? And he's like, I can't. I was like, no, it's just come undone. Do it up. He's like, no, mate, it's ripped. So it actually ripped my head guard. Oh, the seam had torn it's all torn. the way up. So <laughs> we ended up getting that taped up and getting David to sign it. So that's like, because it was my coach's head guard at the time. So uh, he's got that. But yeah, um, yeah, he definitely punches, mm. punches hard, David. But um, 
yeah, it was a, a great experience. Sparring, sparring when you there. when you go in there with someone like David Hay, are you thinking I want to knock him out, or are you or you or like, to impress him? How much sort of what percent are you giving? Giving everything. Are you giving and, everything as if you you really everything. do want to knock him out? It's not even necessarily knocking him out, especially that stage because I wasn't really a massive puncher back then. Yeah. I just I wasn't training with Shane at that point. I was just going up there to spar and um, yeah, and he he just I just did gave my all in, in my yeah. own ability and just tried to stay away from from his big shots <laughs> and tried to land as many as mine as I could yeah. and, and uh, yeah, but. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing experience. But yeah, you, you obviously you're going all out because you can't take it lightly because mm. he, he, at any point yeah. he could turn your lights out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, thankfully, I didn't get uh, never got dropped or, or hurt as such yeah. by David. But like I said, I think yeah, a lot of time yeah. he's using me for reaction stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about where the name the gentleman come from. Uh, that was Shane came up with it. Um, we were I think I was about three or four fights in. And they, um, uh, Shane, his brother Blaine and Jake were sort of trying to think of a ring moniker for me. And I didn't really have any. I mean, the only one I had that my brothers joked about with, with my mum was calling me the golden child because I was the youngest <laughs> and I used to get spoiled. <laughs> so, uh, but without any gold medal, it didn't really fit. Yeah. Um, it's not like I come from the Olympics and yeah. uh, had a gold medal. So we were trying to think of one for a while. And then... Um, the and then Shane was like, oh, I've got a nickname for you. I was like, Yeah, it's like he's like gentleman and I was like, Okay, it was like was was like and then his brother was trying to say just gentleman, not the gentleman. Because yeah. you had like um back in the day I had like gentleman Jim Corbett and stuff like that. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I was like, Yeah, no, I like I like the gentleman. I was like, was, do. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I think it was just because I said please and thank you more than the other yeah, boxes, yeah, yeah. to be honest. I don't I don't think there's much to it. But yeah. um um, yeah, so it just I like it because it's it's ironic. It's something yeah. you can't really be in a boxing ring yeah, when yeah, you're trying yeah, to yeah. knock another bloke's head yeah. off. But um, so uh, yeah, I think I like the irony. Have you had any? It. Have you had any dealings with uh, Connor Ben and and Chris Eubank Jr.? Uh, I, I I know Connor. We've been up his gym, and, and, and me and Connor get on well. Obviously, boxed on his undercard uh, last week. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. I sparred with once as an amateur. I used to spar his brother Seb. Um, who sadly passed mm, away sad. last year, and um, yeah, then I did like one or two rounds with Chris Junior. Then, um, but that's a long, long time ago. Yeah. Like it was, it was nothing really. And then, but yeah, Con and Connor is too light for me to spar. But yeah, yeah I mean, Connor get on really well. I think he's a fantastic fighter. I think he's, he's an unbelievable fighter, isn't he? I think he's one of the most in, improved British Agreed. fighters in 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 recent years, and. Um, yeah, I hope he, you know, hope he goes all the way. He's in a very hard division, yeah, but very um, tough. But uh, he's he's doing all the right things. I love it how he left Australia, come here by himself, left his dad over in over abroad, mm. and come and done everything by himself yeah, to yeah. prove that he's the real deal, rather than just being his dad's son. Yeah, that's it. And obviously, he had a few tough fights early on, where he, yeah. you know people were saying he didn't deserve decisions and stuff. But it's very easy then to just sort of go and hide away but he stuck at it dedicated himself and look at him now he's absolutely flying yeah tell us about your fight this weekend on the Connor Ben undercard where you got that massive win yeah and a, a cracking knockout as well. yeah it was a, it was a definitely a, a nice one for me it was like I said the Tommy McCarthy rematch so I beat him on a split decision in in uh in the back, back garden at uh, fight camp 
Um, so there, one judge gave it to him, one judge gave it to me, and then one judge, and then the other judge gave it to me. So I think two of the judges had it a point. One had it a point to him, one had it a point to me, and then the last judge had it about four rounds to me. So a lot of people were saying that was a disgusting decision. Well, not a lot of people, but people were saying, yeah, most thought I won it, but there was people saying yeah. that I didn't deserve it and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and the rematch got offered, so we, we took that and, uh, I just knew I had to put it to bed yeah. and no sort of no no blurred lines this time just keep make sure the job's done I had a fantastic camp um and yeah and then obviously managed to, to get rid of him in the eighth round it was a I think I started well the first round second mm. and third second round he had a good second he won that clearly third round was close but we gave it to him to be harsh like in the corner um I remember coming sitting on my stool at the end of the third thinking right I'm two one down but I was quite relaxed about it because yeah. I knew I was getting to him with the intensity and yeah. the pressure and fourth round, I had a massive fourth round and then sort of just took over from there yeah. really. And then obviously got the, the finish in the, in the eighth. What's that feeling like, you know, when you're giving someone a right hand and knowing they're on the canvas? Yeah. I mean, hit him with it and he went down and I've like, I, at the time I didn't realize how big it was and I mm. thought he'll get up from that. I think yeah. it was more the accumulation of shots yeah. um, and the shots I'd hit him with before that had sort of done the damage. I thought he was going to get up, but then he wasn't really moving. Then I sort of like went to celebrate early and then he moved and I was like, oh, oh no, hang on, <laughs> hang on. And then uh, he, he managed just about to get up at 10, but the ref waved it off. And then, yeah, yeah that's just pure elation, yeah. especially like obviously my, my wife's due, uh, you know, imminently. So we had a lot on, uh, on my plate in terms of like, we had to get the fight out of the way and then we could focus on the yeah. baby. And it was, uh, so it was a lot of relief and a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of a pure elation and yeah. just, I just, just jumped on the rope screaming. Yeah, <laughs> I saw amazing feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's hard to describe, I guess, unless you've experienced it, but it's just so much work goes into it, yeah. you know, for 12 weeks, you're grafting away for, for that exact moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, amazing. Give me an example of your 12 week camp. Leading up to this, the biggest fight of your life here. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I always stay in shape in between camps. If I was on the Saturday, I was back training, doing something on the Wednesday. And I, you're I what weight at the moment? Cruiserweight? Cruiserweight, yeah. Okay, and that's just one below heavyweight? Yeah, so anything above cruiserweight, you're unlimited weight, basically. So what what weight is cruiserweight? Uh, it's 200 pounds, it's 14.4 or 90.6 kilos. Okay, so it's 14, roughly 14.5 stone. Yeah. And then you go heavyweight, you could be 14.5 stone, you could be 25 stone. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, obviously if you're anything around 15.5, you just boil yourself down yeah. to to, to 14.4. So, um, I mean, I sort of get in the ring around maybe a, a 10 to 14 pound heavier than what you weigh in at. <coughs> Everyone does it. Within 24 um, hours? So give me about get, 30 hours, yeah, between really? weigh in and fight. So yeah. what, what did you weigh in at at this fight? So I weighed in at 14 stone, three and a half. Is that is, right? That's what everyone does though. Like okay. He weighed in the same. Everyone's yeah, 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 yeah. on the limit yeah. because you don't want to give weight away. Or And then what, do you have a massive feed up? A main, refeed? For me, it's mainly just hydration. It I is, just is get Because you, you've had a bit of a sweat out yeah. to, to get to the weight and then... Yeah, it's just liquids like yeah. electrolytes, um, carb powders. Yeah. Um, my nutritionist just sends me, tells me what to get. I go get it. it and just follow. Just, <laughs> just, just listen to so him. So from start, so so, so you're three months into the biggest fight of your life. Give me, give me a breakdown of the weeks, the twelve weeks. Are you, are you 
pushing your weight up, pushing your weight down? What, what, what's the whole process for you? Well, usually you're, you're, you're the heaviest at the beginning of yep. camp and then you sort of bring it down a little bit um, and just it comes down slowly through camp. So I'll be, yeah, whatever weight. And then it'll just edge down. Yeah. Um, but then there's sort of like a weight you want to get in the ring at, which you want to be probably for about four weeks out and yeah, you want okay. to stay around that okay yeah because you get too light you you can't but the same you can't yeah. get through 12 rounds you can't take a shot as well all those sorts of things so um we punch four days a week um where were you training in london yeah so you lived up there for three months yeah well we actually me and my me and my wife moved up there in october um and we've been living there since since october whereabouts in london uh we're, we're living in stratford we train in Leighton, so okay. they're, they're not far yeah, yeah, um yeah. So yeah, not not far from West Ham Stadium, yeah, mate. mate. Coming, you Irons. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, it's it's great. It's very easy in terms of getting home back yeah. to Bournemouth. It's straight on the yeah, yeah. Jubilee line, jump to Waterloo, then jump on, jump on the train home. So you're so you're you're punching four days a week. Yeah, punch four then... days a week. Do two to three runs a week, two strength sessions, and then a circuit as well. So yeah. circuits are, are always horrible. Yeah. They're always on a Wednesday. That's usually the day we don't punch, and we'll do like a thirty-minute high-intensity circuit okay. on a, on a Wednesday. We might do a run if you if you're feeling alright, but yeah. if you sort of a, a lighter day and sort of less impact in terms of on your arms and stuff like yeah. that, and it's a lot of sort of uh, curve running machine, yeah, and, okay, um, versa climber, squat jumps, all that, all that sort. And of And you're stuff. just getting told what to do every day. You haven't got to think. That's yeah. what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, okay. getting at this time. And whatever time Shane says, know that you get there at that time and you won't be doing anything for, for at least 45 minutes because yeah. he's always late. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's it's very simple because back when I was an amateur, it was like, right, I've got work this time to that time. Oh, I've, okay, got to, yeah. I've got to do a run and then I've got training at half eight at night. Yeah. Um, I need to figure this out. And then yeah. you have to, rather than have your strength sessions organized yourself, I used to yeah. go to to West Hance and do my, my strength and conditioning yeah. there. So um, as an amateur, so I used to go there like Monday, Wednesday, Friday nights. Um, and then, so like you'd have to shed your left in yourself, yeah. motivate yourself. Yeah. When when you turn pro, I, I found it a lot easier because it's told what to do, even as much as the sprint sessions. Yeah. You get told what speeds to put it on. Yeah. When you join the, when you join the, uh, join the gym. So you know what speed you've got to run at for yeah. how long and whatever. So, it's, you don't have to think. You yeah. just got to do and apply yourself. So um, it's definitely a lot easier in that what, aspect. What is your biggest motivation right now? You just won the biggest fight of your life. How much do you get paid for that fight? Uh, Roughly. After everything, I don't know. Maybe, probably see thirty. Happy days. Five. Happy probably. days. So it's better, Happy but like days. that's the first. That's the start of the proper journey, isn't Hopefully, it? Hopefully, yeah, because through lockdown and stuff it's, yeah, it's difficult it's tough. Um, can you can you demand not demand that's the wrong word but can you say look i think my next fight i want to get under well, grand my, or... my, my team my team do that for me okay. and because you pay your trainer yeah you pay your uh you pay your manager a percentage yeah. of your purse so th- what percent your so your trainer's 10 percent, yeah. and the manager's anywhere between 15 to 25 okay um and your trainer is shane and your manager's barry yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um yeah. So and that then, could be a thirty five percent pot 
Yeah, to the I family. mean to be fair, okay. they they've always they've always only ever taken uh, thirty in t- yeah. total. Yeah, <clears throat> Barry's always only ever taken twenty percent, I think, yeah. from his fighters, which is nice which of him because yeah, he he loves the sport and yeah. he doesn't doesn't have to do that because yeah. he does a lot lot for us and yeah. um it's Shane's brother Jake does a lot of the management as well so he does a lot of the work so they probably pay him out of that as well so it sounds um, like you're in really good hands with the McGuigan family absolutely I mean yeah. they're, they've they're honorable aren't they absolutely and yeah. they've obviously had their stick over the years yeah. um but for me they've been nothing but absolute like crucial in my life yeah. like if I'd never family. met them I would never be where yeah. I am now and I Shane as a coach, and then what the opportunities the family have given me, yeah. um, and, and through the through the business, and yeah, it's but they're a, a great mm. great family. So yeah, so uh, like I said, they they only take uh, up to thirty percent yeah. or twenty five to thirty yeah. percent. So which is a uh, win win. Yeah, it's good good. It, you know they they do the work, and so basically they'll negotiate your purse because the more money you get, the more money they yeah. get um, as a percentage. Yeah. So. They do all that. All what's that the next? Me. What's the next fight for you? Do you reckon? If you uh, uh, the McWiggins team something up to say, you know what, the next fight is a is a biggie, and the purse is going to be three times bigger than that. And is it? What's the chat? Um, yeah, I mean, I, the the idea is to get a fight in Bournemouth. Is yeah. to fight m- m- most likely at the Bic. Um, is what I want uh, in the Capac- capacity there. I think it's about four to four and a half thousand yeah, okay. with, a, with a boxing ring and stuff. So Mate, I you'd think pack, you'd pack that out. I'd love to. It'd be and with, there's, there's, what about the football stadium? Yeah, that's the dream. That's, why, why don't we do the football stadium? I, I just don't think our brand's big enough yet. Genuinely, um, I think when it comes to boxing, it's very much your brand and things like that. So I'm not one of these. I'm not massive on social media, and I don't haven't been very consistent with posting over the years. And I'm not someone who trash talks and yeah. all that sort of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. which you know, I've never just want, never wanted to do that just for the sake of more money and yeah. more followers and more this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I sort of always wanted to stay and keep my integrity in that, in that sense. So big respect for that, by the way. Thank you. A lot of, a lot of fighters but, look for that, don't they? Yeah, too? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like maybe it's just not you. Maybe yeah. Maybe no. maybe as as respect to me, but maybe it's a silly bit. Business yeah. decision, because at the end of the day, those people that are trash talking, are doing that, are probably yeah. getting paid more money. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at Tyson Fury. Obviously, he's a, one. He's a heavyweight. Yeah. Two, he's superb at what what he does. Yeah. But he was in a lot of boring fights. Yeah. Even the Klitschko fight was a yeah. massively boring fight. Yeah. But because of how he was outside the ring, yeah. people loved it. Yeah, yeah. So like, if he didn't talk and he was just blasé about yeah. everything, then um, he probably wouldn't have as big a following as he does. But because of his character. I agree. Um, same as Conor McGregor, same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, they, they and so maybe I'm I'm just not as good as a businessman uh, as they are. So uh, I but. I think I don't know what the capacity would be. I know the capacity there for football is eleven thousand. If you put a ring in the middle, I'm not too sure what the capacity would be. But you get a lot of seats on the pitch. So on the it'd pitch. probably be similar. I think yeah. ten to eleven thousand be similar because you probably cut off one of the ends for how TV. Can, and how stuff. can we make this happen? <clears throat> Well, the, the club are, are on board in terms of like pushing for the, the club have been superb with me. I'm sort of informally partnered with them. Um, they've, they've helped me a lot with like sponsorship deck. Yeah. Um, Jeff Moston's been superb. And, He's a lovely and, bloke, isn't he? Yeah, great, yeah. great man, Jeff. Um, and yeah, they, they've always supported me. I was on the pitch the other day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's amazing to be sort of partnered with the club in, in that aspect. Uh, great, great club to be 
because they're a very much a sort of community based club, club aren't and they, yeah, yeah, and it feels and that that suits me and, and yeah. my values and stuff. So um, and obviously for me, I had a season ticket there when I was like 12, 13 yeah, years old. Quality. So it was um, it was absolutely amazing. So yeah, it's great to be partnered with them. Yeah, you're very proud to come from Bournemouth, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, massively. I love like, that. You know, I wasn't born down here, but I've been down here since I was three. Um, I think lockdown definitely helped me appreciate it even more. Yeah. Um, spending time on the beach Same. and doing the runs and the sea dips and like when you travel the country and you tell people where you're from and yeah. stuff like that people are like oh yeah I used to go down there on summer yeah, holiday yeah, I used yeah, to do yeah, this yeah. so I'm very very proud and this for me it always be home um, yeah. and so to to fight at the stadium eventually that would just be the ultimate dream and uh, um, we're, we're edging closer yeah I agree I agree do you know what's amazing about Bournemouth is that Bournemouth football when they win the Premier League put Bournemouth on the world map and you're putting Bournemouth on the map for you and boxing. You've got to be super proud of that. Yeah, I mean, mm. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is an honour. It's very surreal yeah. for me, like, doing the uh, doing the pitch walk the other day and yeah. stuff. I had, like, just went on just before the kickoff. So the, I saw, with the, lads the belts have, Yeah, stuff, so yeah. the lads have gone in um, from their warm-up and then the, the, most of the fans are in the stadium have got such a great applause, yeah. great applause. And it was... Uh, just a crazy experience yeah. for me, just because I used to sit in that stand yeah, and, and yeah, cap yeah. the, the yeah. someone else would yeah. be on the pitch um, yeah. when they're in Division Three back yeah. in the day. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's so surreal for me to to uh, to experience mm. that, and it's I'm just so grateful for yeah, it. Yeah, mate, Chris, you're a proper gentleman coming from me to you right now, and I can see why your nickname is the gentleman. Thanks, mate. And I it's, I've that. thoroughly enjoyed having this chat with you, and this make the football stadium happen. And if anything I can do to help that, promote it, get behind it, whatever we need to do, let's make that happen. Absolutely, Dodge. Appreciate yeah? that, mate. Thank you very much. Wicked. Good man. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers, Take Chris. Care.